You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Wealth Tech on Deck. Over the past two years of publishing our weekly podcast, we've looked at the confluence of digital and human advice from just about every angle imaginable. We've talked with executives across the industry on some very interesting and innovative advances in helping consumers and advisors make better choices and achieve better outcomes. I'm hesitant to overpromise, but I think today's session is about as cutting edge as I've seen in the nearly 100 podcast episodes we've recorded. Our guest today has been on our show a couple of times before. Michael Lears has advice in planning at Wells Fargo. His background includes a PhD in cognitive psychology. He taught behavioral finance at NYU's Stern School of Business, and he's been an executive at Merrill, J.P. Morgan, and now Wells Fargo, where he has developed a deep understanding about people and money and how to help advisors provide clients with a better experience. Today, we're going to discuss a new tool that Michael and his team have developed that I think leads the way to a compelling future for the advice experience. Michael, my friend, welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck again. Thank you so much for having me here, Jack. I'm so excited to talk about LifeSync. But more importantly, I'm excited, uh, just like we did before the podcast started, just to catch up with a good friend. Good to talk to you as well. This is a lot of fun. So, Michael, last time you and I were doing this show, it was shortly after announcing an important agreement with eMoney. By the time this podcast airs, you will be launching something I find to be a real change for our industry and that came out of your collaboration with eMoney and I think a whole lot more. So please fill us in on what you and your team have been working on and is now launched at Wells Fargo. So, Jack, we are launching a new capability, a mobile-first capability called LifeSync. You alluded to it. So people might say, what is LifeSync? So L-I-F-E-S-Y-N-C, not NSYNC, Jack, but LifeSync. You know, NSYNC's the the old boy band here. Yeah, yeah. So with LifeSync, what was interesting about it is we wanted it to first and foremost not be a tool or a think of it as a capability. We wanted it to be a wealth management experience and process. And so that's where I want to begin. So we started talking about it at Wells Fargo last February. And what we talked about is that first and foremost, humans want to interact with humans, Jack. They want that human connection. We all saw it during COVID. We were all desperate once COVID, really, we got to the other side of it to go back to living our lives mm-hmm. uh, where people predicted that we wouldn't. That was not a true story. So what we want to do is create that deep human connection around money, Jack. That's the point of LifeSync. And what's great is we did some research with real human beings, real customers and clients, people who weren't customers and clients of Wells Fargo. And we said, just tell us what the LifeSync name means to you. And they said, well, it sounds like you want to create meaning from my money. And and so that my money accomplishes what I wanted to accomplish. Literally, Jack. And, and so they couldn't get it more right. And what we said is, well, what if a company like Wells Fargo offered it? And what's, what's fascinating about that idea, Jack, is they liked it even more. They said, oh, my gosh, a wealth management organization would offer this to me. A bank would offer this to me. That sounds perfect because I feel at times, and this came out of the research, confused or I don't understand what I want to accomplish with my money. And then when I get clarity around that, I'm not sure what to do with it. It's in a bunch of different places. 
And it's not really aligned to what I just said I wanted to accomplish. So people talked about feeling a peace of mind. And, and you've heard this before, Jack, feeling all these emotions, very positive emotions once they made that connection. So that was our inspiration. So we talked about that inspiration in five different buckets that needed to be connected. And then I'm going to move you to exactly what we're talking about when we talk about LifeSync and the mobile app. So we talked to uh, our, our, think about it, all our advisors and our clients about this idea of connecting, this idea of understanding, which you highlighted, you know, goals, preferences, and, and actually putting that, Jack, into a common database. What do we know about you as a client? And what do you want to accomplish with your money? Time horizons, dollar amounts, priorities, then moving that into a decision-making framework. And we, we call that planning. You mentioned e-money. E-money has, and the reason why that partnership was so amazing, a variety of different capabilities for those who don't have a lot of money to those who have an extraordinary amount of wealth. They have that entire wealth spectrum of basic goals-based planning all the way to you know, this advanced cash flow planning feature. Then you want to push that into a suggestion engine, Jack, as you know. you know, What do I want to do next based on that decision-making framework and what you understand about me? What are you proposing here? So we call that, you know, propose those suggestions. Then you want to push that into implementation and say, well, what am I going to do to actually fulfill on that need, that concern, that goal? And what do I want to defer or what doesn't resonate with me? And then finally, we want to revisit those situations on an ongoing basis. And as you know, Jack, there's a lot of evidence that you know, exogenous factors, you know, markets like we we're experiencing right now, you know, all the way to potential recession, all the way to just changes in people's lives create a lot of dynamics where you have to go back to the beginning and say, is this still accurate and go through that process? So that's really what we built around LifeSync. So we branded that LifeSync, registered, trademarked, you know, have the whole kit and caboodle, even a, a tagline, your life, your money in sync. So people are really getting it, resonated with their advisors and clients. So then there was a demand, Jack, and this is where I think it gets important. We always want it to be a demand pull here. Then there is a demand, well, I want to see all this information that I'm interacting with around my advisor, my e-money plan, my goals, you know, how that connects to what I've implemented and revisiting it. I want to see it 24-7, literally, Jack. So advisors and clients are demanding it. So what we're launching or what we launched is this idea of putting that in the mobile app and so you've seen this, literally seeing your e-money plan in a goal section, then having a vital section, what's driving that e-money plan, net worth, portfolio performance, market indices, all in one place. We call those, again, vitals. So goals, vitals. And then the last one is a news feed, Jack, where curated content based on the goals you've articulated, you know, if it's education for a child or a grandchild, that will be served up. If it's retirement, that'll be served up. If you're looking to grow your money, we're going to expose you to our market outlook. So it's really this curated content just for you. And it creates this ecosystem or circle, Jack, where people can interact with their advisor because when they put information that they want to talk to with their advisor about, like articulating an additional goal with additional time horizons or, or dollar amounts, changes in them, it feeds into the advisor workstation, alerts the advisor. The advisor can pull it directly into the e-money plan, Jack, and update that plan in the moment. So I'm just so excited about it. To your point, I'm not aware of any other capability that does this in a collaborative way with advisors and clients. Sometimes you have that direct to client experience, as you know, Jack, and sometimes you have the one way where you just expose information to a client as an advisor, but this collaborative experience where you're really leveraging digital capabilities with the human beings interacting is something that I'm just excited to introduce to our wealth management environment. 
So I completely concur. I, I pay very close attention, as you know, because we talk about it from time to time. It, just the exciting things happening in our, in our industry. I'm going to pull a bit of a surprise on you here, Michael. I, okay. I've been talking about you with a, a former colleague of yours and so on. I know you, you hold in high regard. John Thiel was telling me, John, who headed up uh, the Merrill Advisors going back when you were there. Yes. John is a good friend. Yes, for sure. Yes, he's a good friend, wonderful guy here too as well. He raised something that sort of is at the heart of what you're talking about. We'll get to the mechanics of what you're doing because it's really cool, the mechanics. But I think what I'm seeing, and we just uh, launched uh, this week on Wealth Tech on Deck, conversation with Ken Dykewald, who talks about really one of the most important things you can determine is what is the purpose of wealth? I happen to mention this to John Thiel, who said when Michael worked with us at Merrill, he got us to encourage every advisor to ask their client, what is the purpose of your wealth? This sounds like the manifestation of that question you came up with years ago. What is the purpose of your wealth? And I'm seeing a big shift as we went through COVID and all the rest of it. Just purpose became a whole new thing that people are much more aware of, concerned about, and so on. Yeah, they want to have the mechanics of having more money and all the rest of that stuff. But really what it comes down to, what is around meaning? What's important? So let's talk about that. We'll get to the mechanics of it and how that plays out, manifests, and so on. But talk a little bit about that. I was fa fascinated because I, I think you came up with that question, I'm going to say, five, seven years ago. But Phil said. I did. And it was actually in conversations with Riley Etheridge, who I worked with at the time, and John Thiel. We all were talking about what clients, customers, human beings, families – Jack, were entitled to really have understood about them. We all agreed at its fundamental level, if we're advice providers, we should know the, the job to be done with that money, what that person's priority is. And I remember Riley saying, priority matters here, even in that schema, you know, what the purpose of the wealth is. I'll never forget it, Jack. I tested the hypothesis because... I'm a behavioral scientist and they knew I was totally willing to do it. Getting in front of, we, we would have these huge advisor forums getting in front of a thousand advisors. And I said to the advisors to test the hypothesis, Jack, if, if they agreed, raise your hand if you feel like a client is not entitled to have you understand the purpose of their wealth. So I used a, a negative here. If they're not entitled for you to understand that and 0% of advisors rose their hand. I say, so now raise your hand if you feel a client is entitled to have you know that information, to have you understand that information. And every hand Jack went up, it was extraordinary, like yes, went up, but yes. like with passion. The advisors then said, well, then we got into a discussion, literally a thousand advisors and I, but how do you do that, Michael? You know, those conversations can be uncomfortable. Clients push back. You know, human beings don't yep. have a lot of familiar familiarity with with really revealing everything about that purpose. So that's what got us into an amazing journey in that experience. And I think that's what you're digging into is our, our taboos and a little bit of discomfort in that, not just in professional environments and family environments, just talking about money in general. Am I hitting on something that you're trying to go for here, Jack? Yeah, yeah, you, you got it. You got it. And we'll come back to it. In between now, you built a tool with the idea that it causes that kind of conversation, right? I'm assuming that's where you're going. That's exactly right. So actually building off that premise in a lot of research we've done, it's very clear that what advisors and clients talk about and what clients want to talk about with their advisor, there's a gap. And we've actually done what research, specific research at Wells Fargo. 
And the, the cool part is, you know, some people think, well, it's a gender thing. It's actually identical across gender. There's just this gap. People don't tell their advisors as much as they want to about their purpose for their money, Jack, whether it's their work life, whether it's their family. And so by creating a mobile experience, oddly enough, Jack, and I think we all know this, human beings are much more willing to give that type of personal information to their mobile device. And I don't know if it, even non-digital natives, Jack, I don't know if it's because we just feel like it's a one to you know, none interaction, like we're telling it to almost a non-human and that makes it easier or less judgmental. I don't know what all the reasons are. I think we could all invent a bunch of, of explanations, but people are just more willing to do it. So by putting it in the device and feeding it to the advisor, even though the client knows that, they tell them more information about the purpose for their wealth, Jack. And that was the inspiration here. And then when you call it life sync and you make it clear that that's the whole point, they're even more willing to do it, just like I told you in the research. So that was the inspiration. How do we get through the human to human barrier to ironically enough create a better human connection? Does that sure. feel kind of ironic to you, Jack, a little bit? <laughs> it does. I love it. And actually, I've shared this story on the podcast before, but it bears repeating. Uh, the advisor I happened to work with at that former firm we talked about, and I inherited him. My advisor left for Greener Pastures, and I stayed with that firm. And in our first few conversations, he didn't ask me one question about me or my family. And instead was telling me about the various portfolios that he loved and the performance and so on. Those who know me know I do not care about that. It's like I buy advice, figuring it's all going to turn out and it's commodity to me. You know, it, I know no one beats the market and all I want to make sure is somewhere I'm in the, I'm above average. That, that, that's fine by me. But what does matter to me are my grandchildren and my family and a whole bunch of things that I could I could list. He's yet to ask me. He's not he's not aware that that is what matters. Is he listening to this podcast, Jack? I'm not sure that he is, but okay. I share this with anyone that would listen. Is that and you've seen all sorts of studies, and this is I think a, a big part. And I want to hear some more about the life sync and how this all works to help overcome that. But. Just to finish the thought is that I really don't want to talk about performance. I can look at it. It's, you know, it's like looking at the weather. I don't watch the weather. I don't watch the weather anymore on TV. I can just pick up my phone and see what the weather is. That's all I need. That's all I need. <laughs> anyway, but back to life. Well, well, hold what? on, Jack. Can I ask you a question about this? Because I think this gets to some of what you're – and I'm going to kind of flip the frame on you on your podcast. Sure, sure, yeah. absolutely. Just like you threw me a, you know, <laughs> a new question that I wasn't aware you're going to ask. I'm going to throw you one. <laughs> It'll link to exactly where you're going with this, I think. And sure, remember, sure. I try to be predictive here. So why didn't you bring it up? Or why don't you bring it up? Why are you uh, waiting to be asked the question? Yeah, interesting. Because I know I want to change. And I, I don't want to get into it with someone that I know I'm not going to continue. I inherited him. Clearly, we he wasn't interested enough to find out. So I wasn't interested enough to make that investment of my time and energy. Because I know where I, where I that I want to change. That's it. Really, was that simple? Interesting. And this is highlighting, I think, one of the key points for your listeners. You know, this is talking about goals, talking about what we typically refer to as the soft things. Yeah, yeah. they're actually the hardest things yes. to talk about. And then once we discuss them, what you're highlighting is there's so much energy and effort put into them. Once you do it, you kind of don't want to have the conversation again and again and again and again yes. with a bunch of different yeah. people. Is, yeah. Am I hearing yeah. you right, Jack? Totally, totally. So anyway, go to your next question because I think it'll be connected to what, what yes. you're going to ask. 
So here's my understanding of lysing, and you were kind enough to uh, provide a demo to see what it looks like. It's basically in the palm of my hand. I can look at everything I own, at least uh, at at, uh, at Wells Fargo and maybe maybe beyond. Or that's right. There's now. an account aggregation, so that's available if you want to use that. So I can see everything I own. I, inside is is e money, so I can whatever my goals are, whatever my priorities are. That that's in there. Correct. And then, as I understand, the news feed updated in real time. By the way, Jack, it's not like some batch process updated in real okay. time. Okay, cool. So I, I can see what's going on, like right now, like the weather. Like, okay, here's what it yeah. is, and all that. And then the other piece that you've mentioned to me, and correct me if I'm off on this, there's like 200 fields of information that is germane to me, given what I've filled out in terms of any money profile and all that. There's 200 fields of information. So when I get a news feed, it's going to get stuff that matters to me, not matters to the person down the street. Is that That's all? That's exactly right. So, so you'll literally have curated information based on what matters most to you. And as we move through the LifeSync journey, we have something called an advice engine that's going to even build on those goals, Jack. And we'll look at your behaviors, your preferences. We're going to build a whole database. And we've had, think of it as over 50 advice and planning professionals, you know, JDs, people who have real client interactions and experiences, Jack, who are actually testing and building that model to make it better and better and better. LifeSync just doesn't end with this launch. It's going to keep doing what you're describing yeah. in a more and more sophisticated way. So my least favorite term, AI, because it's so misused, but basically yes. you're describing is artificial intelligence. Yes. Highly curate, and another of my least favorite terms, hyper-personalized, actually in a move toward hyper-personalization. So what I'm seeing and hearing and being guided toward is very germane to me and, and my interests and my priorities. That's exactly right. So what I would say is, I agree with you on the artificial intelligence space. It's way overused. So what I would say is it's a rules-based engine that we are going to be updating to become more and more complicated, Jack, and eventually it will become an artificial intelligence capability, gotcha. is what I, I would gotcha. say, right? Because yeah. the rules-based engines plus feedback plus decision weights, right? All these things create that AI environment. Yeah. And so I don't want to oversell it, but ultimately yeah, that's where it's all going. I agree. But to, to be fair, you're way ahead of anyone else in the industry with what you just described. I would say, yes, I agree. And the reason why is when you think of these advice engines, typically what goes on is it's really pushing information to the customer or client based on what the firm feels is most relevant rather than what the client or customer is saying is most relevant. So I think that frame is already taking it to a new and innovative place, Jack, if that's fair. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Michael, you and I love to talk about these things. And I'm so glad we're doing it here. I'm a bit of a student of our industry. And over the past 40 years, it's been top-down firms saying, here's the greatest mutual fund ever. Here's the greatest ETF. Here's the greatest SMA. Here's the greatest product, product, product. Lately, it's direct indexing. Everything I just said, they're all fine and good. This is I'm not knocking them. But- it's as if if you bought one more product, you're going to solve your problem. I've noticed, to me, it seems it was on the verge of flipping, but it flipped certainly in my observation around COVID, where it went from top down, here's what you ought to do, here's the best next thing to do in terms of a product sale, to uh, let's find out what I want and need. I'm thinking about retiring, and my 401k has never been higher. This is pre as COVID is hitting. It's never been higher. I don't like work. I, I'm watching friends and family die. 
And I'm starting to reconsider everything. And so we had this massive number of people, the most in history, people retiring. We go through COVID, the markets get crazy and inflation goes crazy and the world changes again, you know, in the space of a year or two. And now I think I, maybe I should go back to work, you know, for those that are in that. So what I find interesting about all this and where you're going is it allows people to make more informed decisions based on their personal situation. And we'll get to this in a minute about what the advice looks like going forward. So we'll hold off on that for a moment. But I, my getting that accurately, do you see the same thing where we've kind of made a flip? Same exact thing, Jack. And I would say that that flip, I totally agree with you on the timing of it being an urgent flip, which is what you're describing. And you can just see mm-hmm. it in the marketplace. It's like an yeah. urgent flip. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, we need to go to this needs-based you know, jobs to be done, consumer client centric model like now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think part of that, Jack, is a recognition that the incremental next best product idea, it adds a lot of complexity to clients and customers' lives in terms of, you know, how to navigate that decision when it's added, you know, where does it go? You know, you and I talk a lot about asset location, you know, what positions are held in that, you know, how does that combine with all my resources? Yeah. And I think there's a recognition that, and Jack, I'm just going to say this, I don't have a, you know formal research on this at scale, but we do have some indicative research. People are exhausted, Jack. They're very tired. Tell me more about that. What, what do you mean by that? Well, the, in the past three to five years, you know, we went from one format of living to a different, completely different framework of yeah. living yeah. and working. And then now we're coming back into a a third way of doing it, which is kind of a hybrid model of, you know, some things now we're doing more at home and virtually, sometimes we're doing it more with human beings. And it's just a lot for people. You know, people are very adaptable. Human beings are famous for being adaptable and adaptive, but people are tired. And then we hit uncertainty in the markets, you know, potential future recession, a lot of political ideas to navigate, you know, global economic uncertainty about the sustainability of our globe in the future, it's a lot for human beings to take in. So I think there's also this idea, Jack, of let's lean into then what's most important to people, to your point on that purpose, yeah, yeah, and yeah. let's connect the dots there so we don't make it so hard for people to make these choices because mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. overwhelmed. And when people are overwhelmed, you and I both know they become inert and they just either do nothing, you know, opt out of decision-making, or they apply a heuristic kind of like the famous 401k heuristic where you you show them a bunch of target date funds and they just select them, you know, all of them, but in equal weights, if that makes sense, Jack. <laughs> so there's just this recognition that, you know, how do we approach people in a way that gets them to the best place? And I think that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing that financial services is at that place in our journey, because that then means as, think of it as a service industry and provider we're doing what's right for human beings. Does that resonate with you, Jack? Totally. And so back to LifeSync and what it is today and where it's going. Let's talk yep. about that a, a little okay. bit because I think, is I uh, see if I can summarize it. Basically, LifeSync just gives me a, a a momentary snapshot at any moment around where I am. You know what I got and what my goals are and information that might be useful based on what I've what I've identified. And then as you're collecting more information on that user experience, it's more and more curated in terms of give me what I want and need. But then I'm assuming that I got that right, right? 
you did, and the added benefit is your advisor sees that information that you're, yep. you're thinking about, that additional information or information that's changed. You can click to call your advisor. You can email them at any time in that experience. Right. So I just want to add that. It's, yeah, it's meant totally, to be collaborative. Totally. It's meant to create contact. We know that benefits humans in their financial decision-making. So we're trying to create the collaboration, which we'll get Love to it. the question you're Love going it. for here. Okay. Love it. I know in our in our family, between my wife and I, anytime we have a decision on anything, we want to know who can we collaborate with. Yeah. Because there's just too much to know, whether totally. it's finance or it's And you want to do it right then. You don't want to like wait for yep. the meeting, yep. Yep. you know, totally three months down the line. Yeah. So now I'm at a point, I've I'm I'm on LifeSync, I got all this information, it's all there. What happens next? I decide to collaborate. How do we move toward decision-making mode? How does that play out? So talk talk us through what, what that starts. And I'm assuming this is something to be developed over time, but talk about that if you would. Well, so there are three things I'll highlight. And Jack, I know we've talked about a lot, so I'll try to make them very crisp. The first one that we didn't discuss is that in LifeSync, what we've enabled is a feature where people can actually identify the people that are most important to them, the human beings. You mentioned your wife. You can upload their pictures directly from your phone. And you can do the same thing for goals, you know, upload pictures of those goals to inspire you. And you can associate goals and humans that matter to you, Jack. So for an education goal, Amelia is my daughter. You know, I already associated her because I have early, you know, access to everything, so I've been using it to uh, the education goal for her in my plan. And so I see her picture tagged to my picture of, of, and I won't tell you what, what college I have le- uploaded, but <laughs> it's my alma mater, Jack. I, I, get, I got it. I won't have Amelia listen to this so she doesn't feel, you know, like. Well, you no know, pressure. pressure <laughs> and so where this is going and you can imagine is once we have that association, what you can start doing is ultimately where I'm not saying this is going to happen in months, but, you know, next, what we can do is start sharing that information within families. You know, and then the second thing I want to highlight is this idea if then you can see where your money is going, who is it benefiting? You, yourself, your spouse, your partner, your family, your children. And is there a lot of people have decision rules here, Jack, equal allocation amongst kids. We're going to create views, you know, which we've already designed about what that looks like. So is my money going where it's intended, to whom it's intended to go to? And then the third thing I want to mention is it imagine if you were to incorporate things like money movement into here or, you know, investing, you know, you, you know, on a dollar cost average basis, you know, things that would take the suggestions that an advisor makes and then allow you in that conversation to then implement in collaboration with your advisor right then and there, you know, to put money into a 529 because you're inspired, you ran that scenario move money, you know, from one account to another, because that's a better place for it to be, you know, buy this position, buy that fund, because that's going to make your risk allocation or basically your future goal more attainable. So that's where this all goes, Jack. Does that make sense at all? I do a version of it. Yes, it does indeed. So I have two grandchildren and started a contributing to a 529 plan when my now eight-year-old granddaughter was first born. Every Christmas, we put a sum of money in a 529 plan. And recently I was trying to show my son, the father of our grandchildren, how much money had accumulated. And we've added it for our, our uh, grandson, Gus. 
So on my phone, when I open up my phone, their photos are there. No, no surprise. Every grandparent has their grandchildren on their on their phone in terms of that, that homepage or whatever. But for me to get the information to my son who was doing some personal financial planning, he and his wife, I had to cut and paste and email and, you know, and it was a big fat pain in the neck and it took a lot of effort. And all I want to do is just show them the number and just show them that it was real. So I love the idea of, because I, I look at my grandchildren every time I pick up my phone, because that's what matters to me. A hundred percent. So imagine you could give, you know, in the future, your grandchild an invitation to go into LifeSync and access information that you made viewable to them about your goals, your money associated with them. And to your point, the values attached to it, the dollar amount. So not just the value, dollar values, but why you were showing it to them. And then- Give them the ability to look at it and ask you questions, interact with you around that. Interesting. You know, and, and not just about expressing gratitude, but literally, you know, ask you what it means to you and what the expectations are. It starts creating a wow. much more fluid and normalized way of talking about money, Jack. And that's really ultimately where we want to take this is normalizing money conversation, normalizing the connection between money and meeting. Money is not just dollars and cents. We all know from Traditional economic theory, a dollar is not a dollar is not a dollar. It just isn't. Dollars earned, dollars given. Right? These all have completely different utilities or human values to people. And, and so how do we manifest that? Well, we can do it through life sync. And so we're just so excited about it. So I'm sure there's a few of our listeners that are saying, okay, enough of this hocus pocus stuff you guys are talking about. How about asset allocation and asset location and yeah, sure. all that other stuff? How, you know, how do we make how do we make money here? And if I'm an advisor and my livelihood is dependent on doing a good job in that regard, so explain how it, it plays out. So I got the purposefulness part. How does it play out in terms of the actual management of money, and how do you see that playing out with your advisors? When people ask that question, and I think it's a really critical one, I always think of when clients want to work with an advisor they provide them with the opportunity to provide more products and services, Jack. And so that's my manifestation of that, which is, okay, so if this is working, then you should see, and let's just be very product neutral, you should see more flows coming to that advisor. And, and flows, we'll just say balances, money, right? So more lending opportunities, mm -hmm. more banking opportunities, more investment opportunities, right? Let's broaden the frame here from just investments right? More transactional opportunities, more advisory opportunities, because again, it's client-centric. We should do what's right for the client. There isn't just one modality, one account type, one asset location, right? For that. And so what I would say is when we see this working and we already have seen it in 2022, and I don't want to get super specific because that's proprietary data, Jack, but the lift in flows for advisors who are engaging in the life sync process is indisputably higher than those not engaging in the life sync process. And so how I would codify that is clients put their money, you know, where the value and experience is giving them the most. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that's how I would view that. It's not about account aggregation. It's not just about asset location. It's not about, you know, asset allocation, right? It's about all those things put together and the advice 
the value of the advice provided. If, if you look at all the research out there, Jack, it isn't just hocus pocus. It isn't mumbo jumbo, right? It's, it's real when you provide right, right. true advice and you really understand what the person's trying to accomplish. It actually leads to specific ideas. You know, should this be in a Roth IRA? Should it be in a Roth 401k? Should it be in traditional 401k IRA, right? You can start really talking about the benefits of thinking through what we would all consider in our industry, the basics. For most humans, that's not basic. It's quite complex. You know, it should, how much money should I have in a bank account? How much money should I have in a money market, right? How much money should I have in an advisory account? How much money should I have in a more transaction-based account? You know, what should that asset allocation or risk profile be? You know, a lot of people have concentrated positions, a business, you know, a stock that they bought or they love, you know, something they got from grandpa, right? Sure. How is that all coming together to really serve the current and future purpose of the wealth for that individual? How are they interacting with a spouse or a partner? And to your point, you know, their family members around it. That's complicated stuff, Jack. And so if you get that right, it's not surprising that the flows increase is dramatic. It really just isn't surprising. And, and mm-hmm. the, the last thing I'll say on that is people ask me, well, how do you know it's really causal? How do you know it's really causal? <laughs> I get into this debate all the time. And, and as you know, I'm a, a data scientist. So I love that question because you really have to do some experiment, right? Well, I implemented the life sync process at this point, or I implemented some alternative process, right? And then what happened next? in terms of that business benefit, that client benefit, right? NPS, debt promoter score, whatever it is. What I say is it's probably multiply determined. So why are we all getting fixated on that? You know, you could show incremental benefits of just client or human contact, as I mentioned. Well, what I've said to people is regardless of what it is, what you see is to your point, clients and customers flocking to this type of experience, flocking, Jack, demanding it. Yeah, it is no longer optional. Yeah. And then you see advisors, top advisors, our top advisors are always the first users of this type of process. They want to innovate. They want to push themselves. They want to push their clients to do new, better, more exciting things with their money to make the most of it. So to me, the causal piece, it's certainly a great question. I think we know there is a bit of causal, you know, flavor here. But to me, when you see the types of people who are flocking toward this, which are real human beings and also, you know, really, you know, great productive advisors, it should give you the answer that, wow, we should really lean into this, Jack. Does that answer the business related question? Totally. But here's here are new, new problems. So I, I get it as a platform, pardon the expression, but as a platform, I get it. But everything you just described, that's years worth of work to get all that to work together. Talk about that if you would. you got a lot of work ahead of you, it seems, to make all that, at that level of sophistication and complexity, uh, make it all work together. We have a lot of work that we've already done. So a lot of work behind us is what I would say, and a lot of work presently. And we talked about this a little bit before we started this podcast and a lot of work ahead of us for sure. Here's what I would highlight, Jack. If you're committed it's, there's a top-down organizational purpose to getting this kind of thing done, which there is at Wells Fargo. It doesn't take as long as you might think because all you have to do, it, all these problems are solvable. You just have to have the entire organization not only committed to it, but organized around it. So I'll give you an example. Goal repository. Ideally, you have a common set or nomenclature of goals, structure around it, so that you can feed it into all these planning engines that you might have, decision-making engines. 
So we came into an agreement at Wells Fargo that we'd have the same goals, same structure around those goals, and same repository across our entire organization, Jack. So it's those types of things that lay the foundation to bring you to the future. So when we think about the future, if it's all predicated on the client and their goals and what they want to accomplish, really, then honestly, Jack, it's about incremental experiences. Mm-hmm, How do mm-hmm. I build, you know, managing, because we didn't talk about this, managing debt. And it's not about paying off your debt, it's about managing your debt, right? How do I manage my spending, which is my cash flow, right? How do all the things that feed my balance sheet or opportunities to make the most of my balance sheet come into play? So now it's about adding on incremental opportunities in this vitals section that I mentioned Mm -hmm. to help Mm -hmm. people navigate their wealth. So, and then some of those social aspects we talked about. So what I see is it's just going to be an ongoing experience that's never going to be done. I expect to be doing this for years and years to come, Jack, just making it more exciting and more accessible to more human beings in collaboration with the employees and advisors at at Wells Fargo. So that's the idea. Fabulous. We could keep going. I could keep going certainly for much more time, but we are way over and I'm glad we are because this has been really, really valuable and fruitful. So one quick question. Three key takeaways. What are uh, what would you share with our audience? You covered a lot of ground, really groundbreaking stuff in my estimation, but uh, three key takeaways. Having tough conversations about money and connecting meaning and money isn't a soft science. It's a hard science, which gets to the second key piece is you actually have to, from a systems and a data standpoint, lay the foundation to capture that information. So then the third thing, I would say, Jack, is you can align it to all the product services and solutions that will help people make the most of their money. If you didn't take anything away from this discussion, I, I would take that away because ultimately that is life sync, Jack, from a financial services standpoint. And then you can design the experiences that will resonate most with people, you know, scrolling, uploading pictures, connecting all those dots for people, you know, and that becomes fun once you lay that foundation on one, two, three. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. You've been telling me this, about this for a while. I saw a demo, but just this conversation has uh, is very, very exciting. So congratulations on the great work you've done so far. I know much more to come. One last question you've been on before. You've answered this a couple different ways. I'm curious to see what you'll say this time around. What's something you do outside of work that uh, is fun, exciting, you're passionate about? I know you're you're a huge fan of your daughter. Tell us, what's uh, what's sort of fun and exciting in Michael Mearsh's life beyond what you do on your day job? Well, it will be related to my daughter because she is number one. And I think I've said this to you, and I've always apologized to my wife, but she knows that already. <laughs> She's number one. So my, my daughter is becoming a, a really extraordinary squash player. Oh, really? So I've been, I don't play squash myself, although she's lured me into the court and then I can't walk the next day, Jack. Uh, but, but we... Um, We've had a great time as a family going to squash tournaments around the country. And then we're going to go to actually uh, Singapore and she's going to play some squash there this summer. So we're becoming a squash family, Jack. Who knew? Who knew? Learning all the different ins and outs of squash. Squash is huge in Egypt. And so that was fun to learn too. We went to Egypt in March and there were life-sized banners by our larger than life banners on like skyscrapers of, you know, male and female squash champions. Interesting. So it was just awesome for my daughter to see. So that's, that's, that's what's going on in the Leash family today. That's great. That's great. So Michael, thank you. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation as I do every time we talk. 
I think this is the pinnacle so far. I, I expect we'll have a few more conversations along these lines over time. For our audience, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share what we're doing here at Wealth Tech on Deck. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. And Michael, again, thank you. This has been a real pleasure, and I look forward to our next conversation. Me too, Jack. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by Life Yield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.